Wildbird with Venus Vision Podcast, and I'm here with Al, mm -hmm. the producer of a film that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited. Yes, and I saw this film last night for the first time. Excellent, yeah. Yes. And, what, and so what, what were your thoughts on it? My thoughts? Well, I cried. Okay, it's right. <laughs> a good thing. I cried a little bit, um, you know, when they were showing a lot of the old footage, which was amazing. I mm -hmm. loved all the footage, of course, but the old footage Yeah, the old beautiful. 16 millimeter black and white film footage. Yeah. That was um, digitally restored to high definition. Um, some of the, um, the footage that we got was in, it was in the basement of an old news station and it had been sitting there for over 50 years. And when I um, got word that this film footage existed, I immediately um, contacted um, the original cinematographer, Jack mm -hmm. Scanella was his name. Mm -hmm. And he was a great guy. He was, uh, he was uh, 85 at the time when I, when I interviewed him, but he, he told me that he had all the information on this footage and he was really excited that um, some young filmmakers were interested in using his archival footage. So um, we went to his house. He had an old, uh, an old like old school computer, mm -hmm. you know, not like you know all bulky, mm -hmm. uh, with a big box screen. And he said, "I'll pull up the um, the reference codes for you guys." So he went down there, and it was just funny, you know, being in this this house, um, and you could see all around on all the walls. He had all this memorabilia for from years of doing cinematography for a local news station, Ooh. and. Um, so he got us the reference codes, and I was able to um, then contact the news station with the reference codes, and they let me into the basement. And it was like it was like walking into the Indiana Jones vault of all the archives. It was, it was really cool. And then once we stepped in there, we were able to pull these old film reels and these giant can these giant like metal containers. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you really can't see what what's on these film reels. You could hold them up see one one or two frames but to see the motion picture you need a special device mm -hmm. which um unfortunately because of you know what age we're in now yeah the digital age the analog age is left kind of in the dust as like dinosaurs mm -hmm. but um you know it was it was a it was a risk um that we took and um what, what happened is we had to take the film reels from northeastern pennsylvania all the way back to los angeles california um, and uh, we, we were able to link up with um, the University of Southern California, USC, mm -hmm. a famous prestigious film school down there, and they were able to help us restore this great um, black and white film footage from the 50s. That's amazing. Did yeah. you watch the process of this restoration process, or you know, um, they did it and then brought it back to you. We, we had a unique um, deal with uh, the, the individual that helped us. His name was Dino Everett. He runs the Hugh Hefner Archive there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, he was really excited about independent filmmaking at the time because he felt like, um, you know, the modern times of digital filmmaking with these kids with these iPhones and these cell phones running around just filming mm -hmm. all these types of footage. He was excited about how we were going to do a mixed media format using mm -hmm. old black and white footage mixed with the modern day digital footage and encompassed uh, with some charcoal animation that you saw. Oh, like, I love like that too. Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk about that artist as well or what yeah. inspired you to go to that artist, how you met or? Well, you know what? Being a filmmaker, it's interesting because 
you, there's so many different directions you can go when making a project, and you have to weigh out a lot of different options. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't have the the budget, you know, yeah. the money backing a project like this, mm -hmm. and so um, you have to find creative ways, you know, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, um, reenactments are really popular in documentaries. Mm -hmm. But reenactments are very costly because of wardrobe and acting and lighting and location. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, sometimes if they're not done properly, they could come out just a, a little bit cheesy. Mm -hmm. So we decided, you know, right early on in the project that we didn't want to do a reenactment. Mm -hmm. So um, it kind of left us open for interpretation. And uh, I remember at the time there was a movie that came out called Sugar Man mm -hmm. about a, um, an art, a South African artist, musician, who basically was famous in, in Africa but never really made it to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And that documentary had some uh, animation in it. And I was really curious to do something in that vein, mm -hmm. um, but also adding a little flavor to our concept. Um, and as you know, the, the movie is coal mining related mm -hmm. so we just thought it'd be a perfect fit to get a charcoal animator that is so beautiful i love that charcoal to keep yeah. it in the same vein yeah with the film yeah and, uh, we found a great artist out of arizona named benjamin mackey who um, was a comic book artist mm -hmm. and um, he was just a great great individual to work with um, we never really did meet with him physically mm -hmm. so it was one of those things where it was over the internet, where we would just um, send him emails back and forth on what we wanted, and mm. he would just send over the finished product mm -hmm. um, in a digital format. And uh, he made it really cool because he, he layered it for us. So we told him that we want, we want to animate it and we want to have an arm moving. Mm -hmm. So he would just send us the arm on top of, layered on top of the body. Oh. So we were, it made it simple for us to animate it in After Effects. That's so neat. Yeah, yeah. I love that it was a combination of, um, of course, a lot of um, interviews and animation mm -hmm. because you already had all that old uh, f uh, original film footage. Yeah. So it almost seems like it would be, I mean, yeah, disrespectful a, to have added, you yeah. know, it's it was, just, it was, it was perfect. a perfect pairing for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and um, you know the interviews were that we that we had conducted early on in the film making process. They were really they were always the the core of the movie because mm -hmm. you know, these are the the testimonies of the last living survivors of the the, the disaster. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to have them as the core base, but we just wanted to highlight their stories. You know these are men that you know that had so much character in their voices and in their look because they had lived through this whole ordeal you know they had went to war in the 40s came back to America um, and in early America and t to basically get a job working underground in a cave you know what I mean so these are hardened men and we you know we really wanted to to highlight the, sto the stories that they were telling us and but give it a more visual look to it mm -hmm. so that it really resonates with people you know instead of hearing a story uh, just a talking head you could get the visual with it how did you find these people that had been you the know, original we survivors? were really lucky. Um, we, you know, me and my cousin David were from the area. We're from northeastern Pennsylvania. So growing up, we, we knew all about the mine disasters and all the 
heritage of the mining culture there. Mm -hmm. um, so when we um, went back, I think it was for um, a funeral. My cousin, he went back for a funeral and there was, uh, at the funeral, was the author who wrote the book about the disaster. His name was Bobert, uh, Bob Wilinski. He's a professor out of Wisconsin. He, he does, um, he teaches, um, you know, local history in the area mm -hmm. as well. He's just a, uh, he's a collective person. But he approached us and he said that, you know, you guys are filmmakers, you're from the area, you're, you're filmmakers out in Los Angeles. You know, it, 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 would you be interested in, in, in doing, have you ever thought about doing a project, you know, here? Mm -hmm. And uh, he gave us his books, we read them, and we just decided that, um, you know, out of all the mining disasters, and there are plenty in, in Pennsylvania, that the Knox was just a really unique um, story, mm -hmm. you know, especially with the epic whirlpool that you see in the film. You know, when people hear about something like on that magnitude, they're blown away. They can't believe that this really happened. You know, this stuff that you see straight out of a Hollywood movie, you know. And I'm sure you, you felt that way when you saw the vortex. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Did you see this footage as a child? I mean, I know that you said that you and your cousins mm -hmm. had heard about this growing mm -hmm. up. So that... There was a short um, movie made in the 80s on yeah. PBS. Um, yeah. Erica Funky did it. She is a... Um, she's the local WVIA representative which is a PBS station. Mm -hmm. She did a short documentary in the 80s, about 15 minutes long, and I did see that when I was growing up, you know, flicking through the, the old soapbox. Did you feel when you saw that, or did anything um, indicate within your life or your childhood that you would end up embarking on this very specific Most accident? Most definitely not. I didn't no. know, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, I'd be, in, you know, embarking in such an adventure and really... You know, I, I wanted to pay homage to her documentary. It was great at the time, but I just wanted to to dive deeper into it. You know, mm -hmm. there's only so much you do in 15 minutes, so we wanted to make it a really um, complex and and uh, documentary. And we, I think, we accomplished that with a 90 minute feature. Yes, that talks about you know, it starts with the history of mining in the area to kind of give you perspective on what you're about to embark on with the terminology that the miners are talking about, you know. So, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, we've had nothing but great reviews. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've screened it a total of 11 times this year. Um, and uh, great turnouts, over 100 people at each screening. And, uh, and then we had more coming, but as you know, the this year has been a really tough year with the COVID, so we had to cancel nine screenings. Oh, yeah. Where were those going to be screened? Uh, mainly universities. Yeah. You know, since it is a, a factual, educational, historical piece, the universities and the high schools have really um, reached out to us and wanting us to bring the program to the schools because, you know, it's local history, mm -hmm. and it's important to, to know your local history, you know. I feel that not only should you see this film because it's historical and so well made, but also because it can apply to so many other pieces of the world, you know, what drives America and um, just the greed was mentioned a lot in the film mm -hmm. and how 
we choose to put people's lives in danger for the betterment of everyone else's and how that is silenced oftentimes, but then it eventually comes to the surface and we all have to deal with it. And then we're seeing, you know, public figures who aren't the people going down to the mine, but they're just the people benefiting from the people going down to the, the mine. mine yeah. yeah. And you had some footage from the court case. Yeah. Yeah, the inquiries. That was very interesting to see them. Yeah. That was another thing that we uncovered and, um, I didn't really know that they existed until we started digitizing these film reels and mm -hmm. then we started to see these uh, inquiries and court cases um, because, uh, you know, um, just growing up in this modern times, you know, they don't film in the courts anymore. Yeah. You know, but it, it's something that they did do way back when in the 50s. Mm -hmm. So that was a whole nother kind of learning process because you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the terminology mm -hmm. of what they're talking about in a lot of this stuff, but we had to reference a lot of um, legal terminology, mm -hmm. you know, in these hearings to make sure that we could um, we were giving accurate information. Yeah. Do yeah. you know why they no longer film in court? Um, I do. Yeah. Um, it was because of um, an individual, um, you know. I, I, Infamous individual that everybody knows, Charles Manson. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Because of his um, broadcasting of his cases, um, they they issued the laws after his in the seventies that they weren't allowed to film anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, so you know, uh, people you know really love the film, and um, I'm hoping to get it out there uh, in 2021. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously the anniversary is January 22nd. Of, um, of every year mm -hmm. and um, and we do a great um, in Pennsylvania Pennsylvania for January it's mining heritage month so the whole month of January in the northeastern Pennsylvania region we do different events highlighting different disasters and talking about the heritage of the people that immigrated here to America to work in these mines the Irish the Welsh the Scottish um, Italians and Polish people mm -hmm. that mainly work the mines um, so we're we're part of a great program there um, and uh, it seems like every year around that time we we set up screenings um, to kind of build momentum and help get the word out um, to people that really have no idea that this disaster even happened you know but it's interesting once people watch the movie and um, come up afterwards to me they say this is a, a really amazing piece, number one, but also I learned so much that I didn't know. And I don't think I would ever found out if it wasn't for your film. So that really, um, you know, uh, pulls on the old heartstrings. Um, because, you know, again, if you, if we, if we don't reference the past, then we're really doomed to repeat it in the future. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, important to have this learning you know, in this history, you know, presented to the public. Do yeah. you think that due to COVID keeping a lot of people from seeing your film, mm -hmm. you'll end up going about other streaming outlets? Like, Yeah, I mean, um, I know I've been reading online a, a lot of the forums are talking about um, 
these uh, virtual film festivals. Oh, what? So, yeah, so that might be an avenue. Oh, my goodness. Go I didn't know anything about that. That's really yeah, exciting. Because the film festivals really got hit as well. Yeah. So, what the film festivals are doing is they're having like a, a, their own like closed private event where you buy tickets to the film festival and you get access to the films that were at, would be at the film festival. That is so neat. In like a virtual screening booth. So, that's an avenue. Um, definitely doing podcasts like yours and others, you know, out there that helps bring in the awareness. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could always, you know, they can always check out my um, website at knoxminddisaster.com, K-N-O-X, Knox, and also our Facebook page, um, Knox Mind Disaster, you know, slash Facebook or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Facebook, you know, to talk about the Facebook real quick, the Facebook page was great to have because it really helped us um, identify a lot of people in the film that we didn't know who they were, you know, because Mm -hmm. we had names, but we didn't have faces. So um, early on, we started a Facebook page and and sent it around the the town, and people added, you know, became friends. And then we would post periodically, hey, does anybody know who this photo is? Mm -hmm. And it was great because we had, like, um, granddaughters chime in like oh well, oh yeah that's my grandfather you know uh, Jimmy Lafrat and I'm like really he's like yeah he worked the mine so uh, we were able to really connect with you know sons and daughters and granddaughters and grandsons on the Facebook and they were able to really chime in and say that yeah he did tell a lot of stories you know growing up and uh, you know I didn't know uh, you know so we just got a lot of information that way so Facebook mm-hmm. really um, came through for the film in a lot of different ways that's really exciting. And, uh, yeah. With my very small experience in film, I my favorite part is, um, you know, communicating and talking to new people and working with new people. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine a documentary would mm-hmm. be so intense because you're not only working with people mm-hmm. that are in your crew, you're also working with people that just pop out of nowhere that you've yeah. never met before. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, it was... Yeah. It was a blessing and a curse in, in a way because, uh, you know, when you're dealing with a factual piece, a history piece, there's really little little room for error. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to make sure you get all the facts straight because they, you know, people will chime in and, um, you know, be a little bit upset that you said something this way or, you know, did something that way because, you know, because they have part of their history as well mm-hmm. you know so we had really had to do our due diligence and really um, make sure that we got all our facts straight mm-hmm. because we didn't want to put out something a product that was subpar or just not accurate or misinfor- in this world of misinformation yes. I didn't want it to, to, to add to that you know which is easy to do yeah when you're making something and it's like oh yeah we'll just say whatever and put it out there and they, people will won't, you won't know, and then they believe that that's the truth, and, and, and in case that's not the truth, that's just yeah. what they're they're saying. So we definitely had to, you know, jump through a lot of hoops mm-hmm. that way. Um, that was probably one of the most difficult things on the project, I would say. Did that cost a lot more time than you anticipated, for definitely. example? Yeah. Did you have to go back and, like, mm-hmm. change things that you oh, yeah. had already... Definitely. Yeah. We had to change things uh, a bunch of times. Yeah. Just to make sure that, you know, they were, they were accurate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, I didn't ask you this yet, but do you have any ancestors that were involved in 
coal industries? Yeah, you know, my, um, you know, uh, learning, I mean, working on this project, I w was able to find out. I knew my great-great-grandfather um, had died in the mines. He was a miner. He didn't die in this disaster, but he died in one of the other disasters. And I didn't know um, how he died, and I was able to find his... Um, death certificate on online mm -hmm. and they told me that he had um, perished because uh, some rocks had fell on his head mm -hmm. and uh, he suffered brain hemorrhage so oh. yeah my great-grandfather John Braca, he was one of those individuals that that died in the mines did you know this long before you well I knew I knew I, I knew I knew that he had perished but I didn't know how, how he did yeah so I learned that on this project oh yeah okay yeah and so um you know, I just, it's, it's interesting, there's a lot of people from that region, you know, the, the, the heritage is so rich in coal mining that, um, you know, it, it really it really resonates with um, a lot of people in that area. Mm -hmm. So that will always be our core audience. But then again, you know, as time moves on, people move outside the area. So we might have um, family relatives that are in San Diego or somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so when they hear about the project and they're really excited about it, uh, you know, and they're always um, sending messages like, you know, thank you so much. Like, mm -hmm. it's been so, so long since I, I saw or heard anything about this area and, and, you know, my family lineage. So that was great. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't have any ties to coal or mm -hmm. the industry, I think that the idea of going into the center of the earth in the dark, mm -hmm. risking everything for mm -hmm. large quantities of money is mm -hmm. pretty universal. So we all do it in some capacity. We risk a lot. And I know that you went down mm -hmm. in the, um, the what would you call that mine cart? Do you it was, a, it was the, the Lackawanna coal mine tour. Okay. So when you travel to Pennsylvania, you can um, go into a coal mine and experience that. How was um, that experience? How did was, you feel? It was, it, was, it, was, it was very eerie to yeah. be down there, you know, yeah. because um, you go down uh, a slow a slope that's an incline that's a probably about um, 45 degrees, and you just head down into this kind of dark abyss, mm -hmm. and there's no wind, so you don't feel anything on your skin or your hair, and the sounds kind of very muted. It's damp. You know, there's always water dripping, mm -hmm. and the temperature always stays the same down there at 55 degrees. Oh. So it's just kind of a, a weird kind of thing um, to go down. So, you know, it gives you a perspective on, on what the miners were, were dealing with when they went down there every day. Yeah. You know, they didn't know what time of day it was down there. You know, they could work all night and then come, home, you know, come out in the morning mm -hmm. or work all day, and it would seem like they are working all night. Mm -hmm. You know, their equilibrium was all thrown off. And these were primarily people who had come back from the war, right? Mainly yeah. people that had come back from the war yeah. and a lot of um, um, immigrants that came here to this country for a better life mm -hmm. and were, were, the, were the men that were working down there. Um, and so it's like, uh, I always tell people, like, uh, our ancestors worked really hard so that we could have a better, a better life here now, today. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, that, and that's, you know... And that's why I really like to pay homage to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this movie definitely references um, to everybody on Earth because, um, you know, still a large portion of our electricity is based on coal.
coal-burning plants. Um, it, at that time, it was somewhere around 80% of the world's electricity was coal. Now we're down, they were down to 40% of electricity in the world from coal-based plants. Mm. Yeah. So wow. you know, it definitely uh, fits in the, into the thing with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The original footage of the carts going down into the whirling vertex was mm-hmm. interesting, and it seems that they were pretty confident that they could essentially plug the hole. Am I understanding yeah. that correctly? Yeah. That was their thought process. Yeah, the footage of the um, whirlpool. Yeah. I guess at the time, and they they decided, you know, they needed to do something. There was a yeah. lot of people waiting, seeing the vortex. Yeah. And they thought they. You know, they need to do something, and the only thing that they had was that the, the train tracks ran parallel to the river. So they skewered over the tracks, and they kind of um, drove these giant gondola train cars right into this, this swirling vortex of water rushing into the mines below. And uh, really, you know, it didn't really do anything, but it makes for great footage mm-hmm. in the film, and just this kind of um, eerie feeling of, like, this massive force of nature being pushed in and blocked and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it was a bit for a show so that the people wouldn't, would, I don't know, you know, be more accepting of everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. I feel that possibly deep down they knew that it wouldn't really do anything, but they knew that they had to do something in mm-hmm. order to make the people more compliant or just accepting of this disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it looks like we have maybe two more minutes here. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it went great. And, um, you know, they could always see the trailer online. Mm-hmm. And where do you see that? At KnoxMindDisaster.com. Okay. And, uh, or KnoxMindDisaster Facebook. Okay. So, but it was, thanks for having me on your show. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful. Thank you all. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. All right, signing yes. off. All right. Bye now. Until next time.